on today's show. Yeah, having the book, even before I published it, just putting author, like, pending. I think what I would put is, <laughs> it, was, it was in 2015, I'd put, like, author, and then I'd do uh, parentheses 2019. I'd just mm-hmm. put it, like, so far out that people would yeah. probably forget at that point. Um, it opened so many more doors because uh, I would get accepted to things. When I, when I would apply to things, once I would have author on, I would get accepted to things. I would get invited to conferences. People would answer my cold emails. Whereas before, when I would just say, hey, I'm a college student or hey, I'm a, a gap year or a high school student, no one would even answer my cold emails. Mm. So the authority that the book gave me to open doors and, and be treated as a legitimate person, a legitimate entrepreneur um, was, was unparalleled. Five, four, How's it going, everyone? This is Eric. And on today's episode, we're going to answer the question, uh, what do you do when you finally get into your dream school? And uh, in the case of Justin Lafazan, he uh, he decided to take a gap year and said, yeah, I just got into Wharton, um, but screw it. I need a year to figure out my life. And Justin goes on this incredible quest during this gap year, not to go travel, not to go sort of study and and sort of live and and enjoy and party but instead he basically goes out to figure out what his calling should be he had sort of this life crisis at 17 decided to use that time to figure it out and he went on to write a book that became a bestseller um and and that book helped inspire him to start his company that he's running today called next gen summit um the book what wakes you up really is this sort of moment in time where he says, I needed to find out what I needed to be doing. And today, Justin is working with tens of thousands of young entrepreneurs in college to help them inspire uh, their own adventures and journeys. And I think what's so powerful about Justin's story is he talks a lot about how he used his book and the process of this book and ultimately the process of creating NextGen, which is a a conference that's become a community. Um, He used that process to network his way into places that surprised even him. And you'll hear some of the stories of the incredible people he met as a 17-year-old who was navigating his way into conferences he shouldn't be at and some of the hacks that he used to get there. But I, what I love about it is there is no age limit on, on when you can be an expert, when you can create credibility. And Justin shares some really interesting stories. He's still a college student, still working on his company and has these aspirations to really create a huge dynamic a community of the millions of potential you know, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who are in college and just out of it trying to find their own way. Uh, Justin is someone who, who I've had the pleasure to get to know, and I think you'll enjoy hearing from him today. Uh, so Justin from Next Gen Summit and the best-selling author of What Wakes You Up. Awesome. So excited here to be with, uh, with my man, Justin, today. And Justin, you know what's really fun about this for me is I, you and I have known each other for almost a year now. And uh, what's interesting is I get the excuse to sort of cyberstalk people and learn a bunch about everyone. So, so it's been fun for me to kind of dig a little deeper. And and I was like, wow, I did I didn't know that. I didn't know all these things. So, uh, so I think this is really fun. I'm I'm excited to to chat with you today and hear a little bit about uh, about your adventures. Yeah, Eric. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been so great kind of having you as an advisor, a partner, um, an editorial and <laughs> inspiree. Um, and uh, I'm just really stoked to hopefully share some insight. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, so I want to start with kind of a, an interesting uh, part of your adventure, and that was um, your your kind of your unusual approach to a gap year. 
I think that 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 I've read uh, some <laughs> that, that some experts have said you basically go to a gap year. You take a gap year if you don't know what you want to do with your with yourself, or you just want to go out and party. And you took a decidedly different approach to uh, <laughs> yeah. to a gap year. So I'm gonna, tell, tell me about yeah. Tell me this the origin story of your decision to take a gap year, and then we'll dive into some of the specifics of of what you did in it. But I want to hear this. You get you're you're admitted to you know an Ivy League premier school, and here. Here's you, this crazy guy saying, hey, I'm going to take, take a gap year. Tell me about your mindset at the time when you decided, I'm going to take a gap year. Yeah, it's so funny because I remember um, like the, the day after I got into Wharton, um, I, was, I wanted to do it at Penn really my whole life. I only applied to one school. I was so dead set on going to where I'm at now. Um, so the day after I got in, I, you know, I come back into high school, and I'm wearing a t-shirt. Everyone's like, you know, really excited for me. And everyone's saying, oh, are you going to start looking for roommates? Or, oh, are you going to start you know, researching what classes are you going to take? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I actually said, oh, actually, I'm, I'm not going right away. I'm taking a gap year. Um, and it was almost a look of horror um, <laughs> on, on people's faces, for close friends, horror on their faces that I, I wasn't going to go right away. And it's because uh, months before I had even applied, actually, um, I had decided that I'm, I'm going to need to take time off. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, it was the summer after my junior year of high school. Um, I, uh, I kind of joke that I had a, a quarter, quarter life crisis. Um, at 17 I, years old, no less, right? Years old, I mean, we're, I think we're going to live to 200, but seven point. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm with you. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. So I think that, um, I was going down a, a path that a lot of, I think really talented folks, um, my age were really set on, which was a finance management consulting investment banking route. Um, I was, you know, it's pretty crazy that I was pretty, you know, dead set on that. Um, but I, I was going down that path, and then I watched a couple of TED talks the summer after my junior year that really just woke me up to the concept that most Americans are uh, really disengaged at work and um, outright unhappy at work. And I, I didn't know what it was, but there was something calling me to explore mm. that. So I, I was both more confused, but more aligned and focused than I had ever been before. And I know I needed to really clarify those feelings and explore that part of the world. I needed to explore what it meant to be happy at work. I was a great student. Uh, you know, I was getting great grades, doing amazing extracurriculars, but was I really loving the work that I was doing? Um, I'm not sure many students fortunately get to, yeah. get to say that. So I needed to explore it. So I decided right then and there that I needed some time and that was going to be the way to do it. I went to my parents, um, you know, it took them a, a, a little bit, but they came over to it, uh, you know, after some explaining. Um, and then I was, I was dead set on it. So I, I went into the application process, had already decided that I needed to clarify some, some ambitions some goals. Um, and, uh, and the rest I, I say is history. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, and I think it's, you know, you're, you're, in some ways people don't reflect on where they are in life. And I think, you know, it, 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 whether or not you sort of knew it at the time, you probably were uh, approaching your own life and career very entrepreneurially at that point, even if you didn't quite exactly know what that all, all meant. Yeah, for sure. And I think that a lot of the times people don't reflect because it's pretty hard um, and you might not love what you see in the mirror. Um, yeah. And you know, people, people love to you know, put up, put up smoke or I think lie about really where they're at. And um, it was one of the most honest and pretty painful times in my life where I was saying, taking a big step back and saying, all right, I'm, this is what I've dedicated my life to being. What if I, what if I was wrong? Right. Uh, you know, what if I made that decision too quickly? And what if this is not the outcome that I was so looking for? Yeah. So, so then let's, let's talk about your gap year. You, you, uh, you decide to take this year. Had you, um, you know, 
in some ways, you said it was sort of a, an opportunity to discover and explore. Um, I was reading an article uh, that was written about you in, in USA Today, and uh, it sort of describes you were just unhappy and didn't quite have a, a plan together yet. Tell me about your your kind of what you decided to accomplish and do with your gap year. Eric, it's funny that we were joking about Southeast Asia before the the call because I think I submitted an official plan to the Wharton School that I was going to travel Southeast Asia during my gap year. That was because it sounded like a really good thing to do during a gap year. I had no idea what I was going to do, so I just told them that that I was going to do that. And and, Um, and full disclosure, you've not yet been to five years ago. It's still not been. I have never stepped foot on the continent. Um, but yeah, I, I had zero clue what I was going to do. At first, it was just this calling of need to explore, need to figure things out, um, need to try certain things. Um, as the gap year got closer, as my senior year of high school wrapped up, I had started a company in high school. So I started asking some folks who I was touching in my world, um, you know, what would you recommend? How, do you, how would you recommend getting immersed in entrepreneurship? How would you recommend getting a flavor for, for what this, you know, this field is like. And everyone told me, you know, different advice, but really the common thread was go to conferences and, and talk to people. Mm-hmm. And those two seemingly simple pieces of advice launched a full year of exploration. Mm-hmm. Because that's really all I did for 365 days. I went to conferences and I tried to talk to people. And that was the start of my book as well. Um, the start of that entire project is I just needed to get my hands on more entrepreneurial leaders who had for themselves figured out their why and chased it with everything they got. It's amazing. And tell us, tell me what was the most kind of interesting adventure you had. I did some random work when I was on my gap year. Um, and I, I, uh, at the beginning of the gap year, I decided I was going to say yes to opportunities. Um, so whatever the opportunity was, if it sounded interesting, if I could learn something, I would say yes to it. So that took me from doing the original business that I was starting in high school, which was college admissions advising, to marketing consulting for some of the world's most inspirational speakers, um, going, you know, spending times in the circles of uh, folks like Les Brown, um, uh, a lot of folks uh, like the Think and Grow Rich community, Craig Reed, David Corbin, um, some really amazing people. So I was doing uh, speaking and marketing consulting on, you know, personal development, self-help books uh, for, for really exclusive masterminds and conferences. And those were unbelievable because I was in a room of 200 folks who were paying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to, to attend these really exclusive masterminds with these self-help gurus. And I was this like 17-year-old um, <laughs> overweight kid with a badge and a, and a too long button-down shirt kind of waiting in the corner, um, you know, just looking and, and trying, to, trying to figure out how do I fit in. But I was just saying yes to opportunities, and I think that was the best thing I could have done. I, I did so many different things in my gap year, and I hated most of them, or I didn't, you know, fit with most of them. But how would you know in, until you try? And right. no, no one really tries. Did you? Do you always think that you were going to at one point, you know, switch into the normal gap year, sort of have that experience where it's like, oh gosh, now I'm going to go to Southeast Asia? Was it always kind of on the horizon, or did did that sort of go out the door as you started to really uncover who you wanted to be? Yeah, I think I. I started to have a little bit of a plan um, about halfway through the year. And that was because I had stumbled across a new market opportunity for the company that I I'm start, I run now, NextGen. Um, but before that, I never had a plan. I never really had a vision. I couldn't even imagine what the gap year would end like or what the transition to school would, would be like after that. I had really just uh, want, wanting to explore, wanted to dive into things. So I had no idea. Um, and until there was like a strong force of 
maybe th- this company could could be something or maybe this would be cool. Um, I was just going, waking up every day, trying to go to a different city and trying to talk to more people. That's awesome. So, so you, uh, you know, I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about next gen, cause I think it's a pretty amazing story as well, how you started a, a sort of company with such international reach. But before that, I want to talk about well, something you hinted at, which is, um, a book, you know, you're here, here's you on your gap year and you, you decide that you're going to write and publish a book. What, what was that? What was the mindset that decided this was the thing you had to do, um, as part of your, your gap year? Yeah. So I take it back to a, a breakfast I had in my senior year of high school, you know, when I was starting my first company, I, I took out to breakfast, a local entrepreneur, um, in my town and I asked him, you know, what advice do you have for connecting to, to really high level people? Uh, he had recently connected with Mark Ruffalo, um, and they were, you know, forging a really great relationship. And I was really fascinated by that. So I said, you know, how, how did you do this? And he said, Oh, it's pretty easy when you have a book because you can just hmm. go and say, Hey, I'd love to interview for this book. So I was like, wow, that's maybe the easiest cheat code I've ever heard in my life. So I didn't have a book. I had no plans of writing a book, but I started telling people that I was interviewing, hey, I'm writing this book. Can I interview for it? So I'd email. Uh, I, tr- I truly printed out the Forbes 30 under 30 list right at the start of my gap year and emailed every single winner of the 2014 class in all the categories. And I said, hey, I'm, my name is Justin. I'm a 17 or 18 year old, um, you know, taking a gap year. Uh, but I'm going to Wharton after I'm writing this book on inspiration and entrepreneurship and you know, all these different topics. Can I interview you for it? And I had no plans to actually write the book, but I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to talk to these people. So I would hop on an hour long call. I'd not use, use Zencaster. I'd, you know, record on my phone, whatever it may be. And I'd ask these amazing young entrepreneurs, Hey, how did you start this company? What was your why? What were mistakes you made? Um, and I was just talking. I was spending hours of the day just talking to these entrepreneurs. And I'd have you know pages and pages and pages of notes and transcripts. And all of a sudden, it starts to really look like something. And, and it started to show me so much. And those initial relationships introduced me to NextGen's first speakers and mentors and advisors and some of the greatest um, you know millennial entrepreneurs in the world. And it was all because I, I you know, honestly lied and said that I was writing this book uh, <laughs> I did did writing in, in the end, which is you know, kind of so funny how the world works. But I used the book as a tool to connect with the brightest young people worldwide. I didn't know why I was doing that. I was really for selfish reasons, looking to learn less looking to like, you know, network. I was just looking to, to, to touch them, feel them, know what it's like to, to, to have conviction uh, of a project. Um, and that, 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 you know, book idea at breakfast at my senior year took me to traveling all across the world. So just meeting some of the brightest young entrepreneurs in the world. It's amazing. And, and I think, you know, you, uh, you know, you've got to meet some amazing people, you know, it's just, as I was, uh, as I was reading a little bit about, uh, your book and some of the blurbs, the creator of Chuck E. Cheese, Gene Landrum is one of the people who wrote about your book. Tell me, tell me besides, besides Gene or including Gene, who are some of the more interesting people that you got the chance that to, to meet and talk with that you sort of never would have thought as a, as a, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old, uh, young person you get yeah, to talk to. Me. It's so funny. I mean, uh, Gene is great. Um, a lot of these folks come from the exclusive mastermind I was talking about a few minutes ago, where mm-hmm. folks pay tens of thousands of dollars. And I was the weird kid in the corner. Um, I got the chance at that event because I had through the book um, or the fake book at that time, network <laughs> conference organizer, got the chance to interact backstage with Frank Shankwitz, who founded the Make-A-Wish Foundation, wow. Ron Klein, who invented the credit card magnetic strip, um, Gene Landrum, founder of Chuck E. Cheese, um, 
uh, I mean, so many, so many <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable people. Uh, Mila Kunis uh, at some time um, at, down at South by, we were in some really private events. We played beer pong with Malin Ackerman. Um, yeah. There were some, so many great people. Always the best experiences. Beer yeah. pong is always a good way to, yeah, it, it should be like a new preparation for college at that point. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, th- that was, that was unbelievable. Um, but so all these people, when I would have just like a glimpse of the, of time for them, a tiny, tiny moment, I would go up to them and I'd say, Hey, you know, I'm writing this book. Can I, can I interview for, can we schedule a call for, you know, two months around? I don't really care what it is. Um, and I think Eric, as you, as you probably know so well, um, people want to contribute content. People want to be featured. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it was so easy. It's like a cheat code almost on how to yeah. with, the, with the world's most successful people. Yeah, I love it. And I think you mentioned a, a hack that I really love too, that I, I don't think enough people take advantage of, which is what you described of, of sort of volunteering or participating in a conference and using that as an excuse to get in the room with people where you, you know, if you attend a conference, you, you may just get to see them. But if you volunteer, you get this sort of access that may be unusual about it. Um, how, how did you kind of stumble upon that, that we'll call that another hack that you came up with to meet some of these amazing people? Yeah, honestly, I learned that one from my older brother. Um, Josh <laughs> is a, a politician here in Long Island. Um, and since he was you know, 14, honestly, he was going to really high profile events um, that are fundraiser dinners that cost, you know, five, six, seven thousand dollars a plate. Um, and he could never obviously afford that as a, as a child. So he would, you know, be, he would volunteer. He would go to a golf outing and say, hey, I can't, you know, afford the 10 grand it is to get the tea time, but I'll run the, I'll run the booth at the, at the front. Um, and then maybe I could hang around for the cocktail hour afterwards. Um, I saw him doing that you know, all through his childhood. He still does that all the time if he, if he can't afford it. Now he's getting invited to places. So <laughs> right. switched a little bit. Um, but I, I saw that and I was like, wow, that if that works. So um, what I would do is I would say, hey, my first couple of conferences, I'd say, hey, I'd live tweet it for you. So I'll, I will come and I'll be that guy who sits in the front row and I'll just tweet what the speakers say. Um, and it started with live tweeting. Then it moved to, um, yeah, I'll, I'll help promote the photography. I partnered with a photographer who goes to really high-profile events. And I say, hey, we'll go together and we'll, we'll push out the photography. And then it got really big where I was saying, hey, I'll do the strategy for the marketing behind the conference. So I'll do all my work before I get there. And then once I get there, I'll get to enjoy it. Um, so I tried a lot of different things just to get my foot in the door um, and say, I'm an, hey, I'm an author. Don't you want another author? You know, in, in Yeah, of course. That's amazing. And, and I think, you know, what, what, I, what I love about that too is that in some ways it, it creates a different relationship with you and the, uh, the speakers. You're not sort of the attendee, you're involved in one way or another, and they start to see you differently, which, which I think is this concept of kind of creating uh, faux credibility in some ways that, that, that allows deeper conversations to happen. Yeah, authority is, is so uh, tricky, I think, mm-hmm. to, to nail down if you don't take the right steps, but so important uh, in terms of legitimacy and credibility, and and uh, owning your space, having a domain of expertise, um, and I think the book is obviously one of the best things that you can do. Um, and I, I know you know that, and so many of your students know that they walk away being an authority, claiming right. authority in your space. Um, and once I once I figured out how the authority game works, it was game over. I, then right. I had access to so many more people and more opportunities. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit. I think the this concept of, you know, we, I talk about creating your own credibility in some ways. And and one of the best ways is through a book or through a podcast or through a video series or, a, you know, event. Um, what did you find in some ways? Because you're, you're in some ways engaging with uh, potential clients who are big brands and companies. And here's this guy who doesn't have a college degree. How 
how did you sort of navigate that? And how did you see the book change the conversation as someone who now has created credibility as opposed to borrowing credibility from a degree or, or some kind of, you know, education credential on your, your resume? Yeah. Having the book, even before I published it, just putting author like pending, I think what I would put is it was in, it was in 2015. I'd put like author, and then I'd do uh, parentheses 2019. I'd just mm-hmm. put it like so far out that people would yeah. probably forget at that point. Um, it opened so many more doors because uh, I would get accepted to things when I when I would apply to things. Once I would have author on, I'd get accepted to things. I'd get invited to conferences. People would answer my cold emails. Whereas before, when I would just say, hey, I'm a college student, or hey, I'm a, a gap year, or a high school student, no one would even answer my cold emails. Mm. So the authority that the book gave me to open doors and and be treated as a legitimate person, a legitimate entrepreneur um, was, was unparalleled. Um, but I did co- fall into a pretty difficult position of where my authority lied. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing you know college admissions consulting in high school. I was doing marketing consulting on the side to open doors for me on my gap year. But then the thing that I was really passionate about was, was youth entrepreneurship, three right. totally different fields that I wanted <laughs> right. to have a strong brand in. So I did find a lot of difficulty in picking a domain and presenting like a coherent authority structure. Um, but the book, I think once I, once I landed on what I wanted, the book was, you know, unbelievable because now I could claim that I'm one of the leading, you know, authorities, one of the most credible people when it comes to young entrepreneurship. Um, and, and the book really uh, helps, helps that stand up. Yeah, this, I was going to dive into that a little bit. I think you know this and and this this really great profile uh, and and the USA Today of you. It does in some ways, you know, it kind of says something that I thought was a little bit potentially counter to this concept of authority. A little bit of saying like, you know, he started three businesses as as the sort of the outcome, and and I think you you described that a little bit. That in some ways that that's not a necessarily a badge of honor because in some ways it may look like you're you sort of you don't have the depth to really show that talk, talk right, about, yeah, right. yeah you just sort of you look about you look you know they there's this joke i grew up in nebraska there's this river called the Platte, and it's a mile wide and an inch deep is the joke about it so sometimes that can be the the curse of the entrepreneur how did you how did what what did what was the consequence a little bit of that concept of sort of spreading yourself to all of these messages and sort of uh challenges that you may have have, have seen from that yeah, it's so, so true. And, and I, I could really feel feel the difficulties that I, I had back in the day. It's I, I would go to a, a client, a marketing client, and say, hey, I'm a marketing expert. I really want to you know, uh, do this for your event or your brand or your conference. Um, and they'd say, but Justin, you know, we Googled you and, and I, I, we read these articles that you're helping kids get into college. <laughs> you know, are, you, are, you, are you still doing that or are you doing this? Um, it was really confusing and it, I think weakened the credibility that I was trying to build. So uh, I would like re- try to manipulate the brand. I would say, "Oh, you know, I I I I got my start marketing kids to colleges, so that opened my eyes to marketing, which is what I want to do now for your brand." Mm-hmm. Um, so I would try to paint a really coherent picture using the different tools, but it was it was pretty hard. Yeah, uh, at sometimes, and, and I'm pretty good with words, but. It definitely was tricky, um, tricky to do. So eventually, um, you know, I, I took a big step back at the end of my gap year, and I decided on the one project I did want to pursue, which was Next Gen and the book, mm-hmm. um, which were very, very much aligned. And um, I gave up my last, 
you know, marketing client, my last, you know, college admissions client um, to really focus because I realized that at the end of the day, people don't want, you know, a jack of all trades, a master of none. Um, and to be really successful, it's to be hyper focused on, um, you have to have conviction on, on, a, on an idea, right. on, on a project. Um, so the book and my project next gen are completely aligned. Um, so right. Those were the last two standing. Yeah. And I think, I think you're, you're, you hit on it. And I think in some ways, what, I, what I think is a, is a really important thing is, to create a book does require you to take a stand and provide depth in order to pull these pieces together. And that sort of journey even of, of what at the time was a fake book for you probably forced you to say, what do I really care about? Uh, because, you know, having a, a book that's a mile wide and inch deep doesn't, doesn't mean a lot. That's uh, the hardest thing. I'm sure that your students, you know, get the benefit from, right. It's being forced for one of the first times in your life to take a stance yep. on an issue. I mean, how many times, you know, in, in, when you're when you're growing up, you could waffle between ideas le- left and right. But when you're writing a book, you have to choose. You have to have some type of mission or statement that you're trying to make a case for throughout the book. And um, it's what a what a wonderful exercise in in logic and reason and and you know persuasion. Um, but it, I think it's really hard if you don't <laughs> uh, you know, have conviction. If you're not sure, um, so the book was great on kind of making a stance for what I believe in, and it still serves. And, and and things have changed, you know, since I published it, um, actually about two years from last week, um, you know, things have changed. I definitely have updated thoughts and everything, but the core concepts stand, the foundation of what I, what I said then, I, I still believe now. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited, you know, by that link. Yeah. And, and you, you know, I think there's a, the, the line that, that I, I love from even the sort of introductory statement is you describe this as, uh, designing the life that you want. You know, and I think yeah. this is empowerment. I think there's something powerful about um, this concept. And, and, you know, you talk a lot of the book about this, this sort of entrepreneurial mindset versus being an entrepreneur. And, 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 you know, there's a, there's some research that shows that particularly millennials uh, see the word entrepreneur as describing a mindset as opposed to a class of business ownership. So how have you seen that play out in, in your own journey as this entrepreneurial mindset versus, Hey, I have to start a company. Yeah, I, I think that um, while I first had intended to write the book to persuade folks to be entrepreneurs, when I you know, went on my gap year and I was meeting these great people, not all of them had started their own company. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I when I was you know kind of checking the Rolodex of art, who are the most talented people, the most ambitious people, the most well-networked people in the network that I've spoken to is reading their interview transcripts. They were all taking similar actions, even though they were in different positions. Um, and I, you know, I walked over the term intrapreneur that I'd never really heard before. And there were folks that were creating opportunities or solving problems, even within a larger ecosystem. So folks who were doing things differently as part of large companies, as part of you know teaching institutions, some great professors out there who are just uh, approaching teaching differently. And honestly, Eric, your research um, on on you know companies who are creating entrepreneurs before the the folks leave companies, um, you know when they're still at these great tech companies or at these big software companies, they're thinking differently. They're they're starting new projects. They're claiming responsibilities. And I think those are the threads that were really strong and, and what I wanted to carry over into next gen and that you don't have to start your own company to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to, you know, go raise venture capital to be an entrepreneur. You can be in your own company right now. You could be a student right now, but you can have this mindset that opportunities are created, problems have to be solved. Um, you know, how can I align and mobilize resources to achieve those goals? 
And I really do think it's a mindset. And I think any author who's, you know, taken a book from start to finish, they are an entrepreneur because they have to create something from scratch, have conviction, idea, mobilize the resources they need. Um, and, you know, authorship is one of the greatest experiments, in my opinion, that you could have in, in entrepreneurship. I agree. Certainly, certainly agree. It, it's a, it challenges you to think. And, and I, what I've found is coming as, you know, I'd written a book when I was younger and then now as sort of thinking and teaching about entrepreneurship, the, the, the sort of the similarities when you really you deconstruct writing a book and launching a company or that early phase is almost identical. And I think if you, if you, you remove the concept of writing per se from this thought of what we think about writing a book instead of, I call it creating a book, you'll mm. find that the underlying premises are, are, are almost identical. Yeah, and I'm sure if you studied, Eric, your students or authors in general who have gone on a year or two after they've written the book, they're using some of the same philosophies, approaches, tools, techniques that they wrote the book in, in their personal lives and in their, in their professional careers. And that, that's probably the most fantastic thing I think that comes from, you know, writing a book. You, you view the world differently. Yeah. You, you, you can analyze credibility and authority. You can look at resource, you know, alignment. Um, you can look at, you know, logic and, and making an argument so differently after you've, you've done it yourself. Yeah. So, so I have one more question about the book and then I want to talk about next gen, which I think is, uh, is also sort of, you know, as you said, this focusing function that has sort of changed your college experience and now even beyond. Um, talk to me about your decision to, uh, to, you know, many people view books as, oh gosh, you know, you're going to make a best-selling book and make tons of money. You took a decidedly different approach to, uh, to what the book would give you and decided to, uh, to donate the proceeds of the book, uh, to, uh, you know, sort of a foundation that is involved in scholarship funds. Tell me about your decision making and the process of, of thinking about the, the book, not as a, as a money tool, but as a way to generate, um, benefit for others. Yeah. So I, when I, when I got to starting, you know, actually writing the book, uh, I had thought about my goals. And I, so, you know, I've been outlining this book. I, I've been making notes for years. Um, you know, ever since high school, I, I was calling these people, making these notes. So it wasn't until, you know, later in my gap year that I took all of this, you know, <laughs> knowledge that I had and aligned it into a philosophy, into a, a book, into a statement. And when I was doing that, I was thinking about what are my goals for this book? Um, I want to inspire. That was probably the, the biggest one. I really wanted to, you know, have an alternate route available for others. So that was probably the, the one that trumped everyone else. Um, but lar- you know, longer down the list, I wanted to build authority. I wanted to have authority in my space. I, I really love to speak to audiences. And I knew having a book would help me speak. Also, you know, get paid to speak, which is something I was interested in doing. Um, and then longer down that list, um, you know, like probably at the very bottom was make money from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when then I was researching authors, I was talking to authors, I said, you know, hey, how much money do you make from your book? Uh, I was pretty blunt and asking. And Greg Reed, who is a, a mentor of mine who runs this mastermind that I went to with all these great people, who, he, he makes $2 million in a weekend from this mastermind. Um, he said last month he had 17 cents of book income. Um <laughs> And he said, you know, any, anyone who thinks that, you know, just you're going to make a million dollars by writing a book, you're, you're dreaming. I was like, yeah, wow, I had, I had no idea. He said the book is a tool for your life uh, and is not necessarily a tool for income. Um, and that really stuck with me. So I decided if I'm, you know, in, at the end of the day, I want the book as a tool to inspire, to build credibility, to speak. I don't need the book as a tool to make money. So why don't I, you know, add a fun twist to it? Um, you know, Dylan and I had talked about Dylan, my my co-founder, had talked talked with me about you know giving scholarships to kids who wanted to pursue a business but still go to college. Something that's really difficult to do nowadays. Um, so we said, why don't we 
find a bunch of the smartest ones and, and support them. So we gave scholarships uh, using the proceeds of the book launch and some other monies that we had raised um, to give scholarships to kids who wanted to pursue entrepreneurship in, in college. Um, and it was really, really exciting um, and re- one of the most rewarding times. I, I could say the the two months from you know pre, pre-launch, pre uh, pu- announcing the publication of the book, doing a book launch with friends and family and then donating the proceeds. Um, what a rewarding time it was for me. Um, and, and one of the most memorable of my entire life. That's amazing. It's a great, it's, it's a, I, I would tell you to your point, my, the, the, the choice of deciding to donate, um, in some ways changes the dynamic with your audience. I, my first book, I didn't, didn't donate the proceeds, not because I, I, you know, in some ways it wasn't enough money to matter, but I, I didn't even yeah. know that it, that was a thing. And the second book I decided to donate it to two um, nonprofits uh, that I care a lot about, Startup Weekend. Oh, no and, way. Any, yeah. Anyone's in particular? Yeah, Startup Weekend and Kiva were the two that I donated That's the proceeds awesome. to. Yeah. That's and awesome. and uh, my, both my books were about uh, aspects of entrepreneurship. And uh, I had about 5x more sales um, from the second book than the first. And the books were largely, you know, the same audiences and in some ways those things. But it was interesting to see that that change of the discussion from people really changed the way that they viewed the book as opposed to people in their mind see books as, oh, this is like a way to make money. But when you remove that off the table, they then see about supporting you and the cause and, and, and other things. Yeah. Uh, and uh, honestly, I think the book um, is an extension of you. And and when people go out, especially close friends, family, and colleagues, they go out and buy it. Um, they they what a mentor said to me is they should be able to hear your voice. They should be able to hear that this is that this is Eric talking. This is Justin talking. That this is not some like astute author, you know, <laughs> in, in their you know grand library. Um, this is a real person, um, kind of just showing you what they've researched and what they found. And I think the more authentic you can be, the better. And that was a, a theme that I tried to stay consistent with. I, I wanted to be as vulnerable and authentic as possible. It's amazing. And so I, I want to take to you know in some ways the the. <laughs> the decision that you made that has changed your college career and even after is to to uh, to start a business, a focused business that aligns the book uh, Next Gen. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what was the original inspiration for uh, creating Next Gen, which for, for those of you who are just learning about it is uh, an amazing sort of uh, started as a, just as a summit that collected amazing uh, young people together to think about entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial mindsets. And today has become uh, much more of a global brand and, and, you know, ongoing activity. Tell me a little bit about what drew you to starting a, a conference. Uh, really well, thank you for those, those kind words, Eric. You know, my goals back in high school of I wanted to rub shoulders with really brilliant people to inspire myself were the same goals that I had when we were starting Next Gen. Um, the same goals I had for the book. I wanted to surround myself with brilliant people. So when I was interviewing these people, I was going to these conferences, I was trying to, I would just go to a city and I'd want to, I just ask friends and contacts to who, who are the brightest young people in the city, who are the brightest young founders that you know. I was meeting all these people, I was doing all this research, I was interviewing for the book, and I realized that wouldn't it be unbelievable if I could just take everyone I was interviewing, lock the doors in a room for you know a week and just talk to them, just hang out with them, just just live, you know, with them. Um, and I started romanticizing that idea of literally just like locking the doors, getting everyone in a room and, and just hanging out and collaborating. There's something so inspiring about that to me. And I was going to other conferences looking for that opportunity, but so many conferences, number one, are horrible. And number two are yeah. geared towards um, I think really different audiences and 
are geared towards business card swapping and not relationship building. Um, and that was such a problem, such a tangible issue. Um, and so many college students who I know would love the opportunity um, to, to really rub shoulders and hang out and talk and collaborate with other brilliant young people, but they're not given it anywhere. So Dylan and I said, if it's not out there, but this is something that we want, let's go build it ourselves. Um, so we hosted the first NextGen Summit in July of 2015, um, about six months before the book. Um, but you know, with a lot of the research from the book already heading, you know, had been done. It was unbelievable. Um, but to be honest, you know, after the conference, you know, closed. I vividly remember I turned to Dylan and I was like, so, so what'd you think? <laughs> um, he's like, oh, you, you know, I think it went pretty well. I was like, yeah, I think it went pretty well too. I think it was, you know, we definitely thought it was good for sure. Um, but then we, we had this Facebook group that we had used to have roommates, you know, find each other during the weekend. And all of a sudden these posts started trickling in the Facebook group. This was, this weekend changed my life. I had found my co-founder who I'm now, you know, 110% in on working on this business or, you know, this weekend saved me from a path that I was going down that I was scared, but I never had the fortitude to, to say, I don't want that. I want this. Or, you know, I found my boyfriend here at, and, <laughs> um, and all these amazing stories like flooding our Facebook group. Um, so we're like, all right, we, we maybe have something here. And that roommate pairing Facebook group turned into a global community of young entrepreneurs that wow. still are trying to build today. That's amazing. And, and, you know, you're, you're uh, to your point, the, ah, oh, this was okay has, has turned out to be, you know, sort of lavishly heaped praise from, uh, from publications like Forbes and others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're, the, what people may not realize is, is you're still in college and you're starting this, you've run <laughs> this business now that has, you know, thousands of people that are involved in attending it. How has that, uh, that experience been to sort of be growing a business and a brand, um, while as still a college student? Yeah. I mean, running a business while in college has been the most rewarding experience I could ever imagine. Um, I get truly the best of both worlds. Um, I get to, you know, work on the thing that I'm, I'm most passionate about now, the thing that I, I believe is an extension of myself, the thing that I'm most aligned with, the thing that I think has the largest impact that also, you know, has the ability to produce, you know, large monetary gains. Uh, I, I have, a, I found a project that's really perfect for me that I yeah. get to go in on, but at the end of the day, still do it in a safe environment where I'm surrounded by peers and friends and professors who are challenging me and encouraging me to grow per- personally. So I, I really get that, that balance. I think, um, you know, there's a debate at every NGS. We do a panel on, you know, should you go to college or not? Every NGS, we have the panel. Um, and if people ask me, you know, Justin, what's your opinion? And I say, you know, it's, it's a really personal choice. And I will never prescribe my mentality to everyone. But I, what, I will, what I will say in defense of college is that there's a lot of personal growth that happens outside of the classroom, but as a byproduct of being, you know, at college. Mm-hmm. that I think maybe some dropouts miss out on. So that personal growth is something I'm really grateful for. Um, but not to say that, you know, it's all, you know, it's all glitter. Um, you know, it's, being, it's really hard to, to be a collegiate entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, my grades are not fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, my time is spread really, really thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to authority, sometimes there is an, an, an authority needle in my side saying, hey, Justin, how can you really be an authority on, you know, you know youth entrepreneurship and, and community building if you're not, if you're still in school yourself? Um, yeah. so there are some, some negatives, um, but it, the, the positives, not even close, yeah. um, 
trumped everything else. You're the you uh, you you know we all deal with the imposter syndrome. Uh, there was I think there was a recent statistic I read that said seventy percent of uh, people suffer from the imposter syndrome, and my response wow. to that was, and thirty percent of people lie about it. <laughs> you know, I think wow. that's, I think, that's not true. I mean, I think it's I think it's really a you know a challenging thing to to reconcile these to sort of say how can I be an expert at at you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, you know, 45, whatever those, you know, whatever age is yeah. uh, to, to do those sorts of things, which, which I think is, um, you know, I think it's, it's a lot of people don't recognize that even though people seem like they have it figured out, we all are wrestling with our own levels of, of uh, insecurities and, and imposter syndrome. Yeah. And even of the experts that we look up to the most that we read their books and we say, wow, I just, you know, I wish I had this person's level of knowledge or conviction or intelligence. They themselves are also struggling with that, Eric. Right. And so funny that you bring that up and, you know, uh, I'll bring it back to the book, you know, authorities claimed, authorities built. Um, and everyone ha- has doubts and everyone, you know, is trying to figure it out. Um, and I think being honest is a great tool. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, more honest about the struggles of, of being a collegiate entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's hard for sure when, when a lot of folks are counting on you and now we have a team, um, you know, so it's, it's definitely challenging, um, but, but incredibly rewarding. And so tell, tell a little bit, you know, you, you, you went back to the beginning and said you had this, uh, even before you started your gap year, your plan was I'm going to go be a wall street investment banker. Uh, type of thing. And now you've in some ways created your career. Talk about, uh, you know, you'll be graduating here soon. What's the sort of, uh, how has this changed your career trajectory now as you see yourself? Yeah. So it's funny. So Dylan just finished his last class at Duke. Um, so he's going full-time on next gen. I still have a little bit of time left. I got a, a year and change um, until I graduate, but I, I, I work a full-time schedule on next gen. Um, so we have our career. We have a team now that we've hired. We've raised some money. Um, so we have a full team that is in place to, to bring next gen to life um, and turn it into a, a really powerful community, global community of, of young entrepreneurs. Um, the thing that um, is really weird for me is my mission has changed. Um, I think at the very beginning, you know, when I was starting next gen, I, I wanted to, you know, curate the world's talent. I think that was like a really good tagline that mm-hmm. sounded sexy and, and stuck in my head. Um, now I, I think it's much, much more evolved into build the world's community. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I, my, my values have changed. My, my missions have changed to where I, I now want to just have people st- have each other's back. You know, that's right. the new tagline I want, like have someone else's back. <laughs> um, and, you know, so it's really exciting. Next Gen is the project that I, I, I will be spending, uh, I hope, you know, the next couple of years on you know, for sure, but you know, hopefully longer than that too. Um, it's, it's an extension to myself. Um, so we're, we're doing our best and every day just waking up and trying to deliver a community experience to, to a couple thousand young entrepreneurs. It's amazing. And, and, uh, your next one is coming up in, in, uh, in June. Why don't you, uh, you know, hopefully there's, uh, I think I've, I've had, I've encouraged all my, my students to, to actually attend. Tell, tell a little bit about like, give a little quick high level, uh, you know, commercial. I'm, I'm sure as it's even fleshing out together today, now, you know, several months ahead, uh, you know, give a little pitch of, of, of who benefits from from this and what's the some of the neat experiences that you've seen in the past and we'll see in the future from from Yeah and Eric your your students are unbelievable and we love working you know with having a couple of your students join us last year um, at NGS and hopefully have more back this year is unbelievable to, to have them join us. Next Gen Summit is the number one no competition hands down don't even joke uh <laughs> conference and summit for young entrepreneurs. Um, the thread is talent of what we're looking for. So whether you're you know, a freshman 
at Georgetown who has an idea for an app, but has not taken the first step, or you're a 26-year-old founder who's raised a $30 million Series A. If you're ambitious, if you're talented, if you are hungry, and if you're willing to embrace the concept of community, the concept of people from all across the world, from different backgrounds coming together to support each other, to collaborate, not compete, to say, I have your back, then we're looking for you. So NextGen Summit brings together the world's brightest young people from across the world and connects them with the resources that they're looking to to be successful. So whether it's funding, whether it's mentorship, whether it's manufacturer or vendor relationships or press, you come to NGS and we have it all. It is an incredibly supportive group that feels much more like a family than it does a, a network. Or, or a conference. Um, it's the three most fun days of my calendar year. <laughs> you know, we get some big names down. Last year, I had some unbelievable speakers from Tobias Harris, who plays in the Detroit Pistons, to Brandon Steiner, who runs the world's largest sports memorabilia company, to Cindy Whitehead, who sold her billion-dollar drug to Valiant and then got it sold back to her for a $20 million profit on top of the billion-dollar acquisition. We have some unbelievable speakers who stay the whole weekend to mentor, to work with young entrepreneurs, um, and we'd love to love to have you there. That's amazing. And and I, just to, to give you a quick story, you, you, I'm sure you don't always get the the details of how this changes people's trajectories. One of my students that I sent, so I, I have a couple, but one one went and uh, just published her book. Her name's Antonia Liu. She published a book called Hack College Like an Entrepreneur. And she was mm-hmm. like you oftentimes having this pressure of very entrepreneurial, wants to start a company and has this pressure of dropping out. And so she interviewed some of the best entrepreneurs who didn't drop out and, uh, and, and figured out how they approached college. So her book is out. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a copy. You'll love it. It's sort of right up, up your, your aspect of how do you actually think oh, about it. It's great. And I think it's really appropriate with, you know, your story and your audience. But the other one that I think is a great story is, um, uh, I would say someone who was very much in that aspirational entrepreneur camp, uh, a young man named Franklin Lee, who was, uh, when I met him, a graduate student at Georgetown pursuing uh, a, a you know advanced degree in anthropology and sociology, and had this dream of one day being an entrepreneur, and uh, has had a had a problem being in graduate school of never having enough sleep. So he uh, mm. he wrote a book called The Art of Napping that uh, that came out. Yeah, That's the right. of course I remember. Yeah. Now he yeah. is—he is sort of—he credits that weekend experience with helping him really centralize on starting a business, and so he's now starting a business uh, all around the concept of integrating um, kind of napping and virtual reality to create virtual reality bedrooms and nap pods uh, in the future. And so he—he he, again, he said all you know that experience of being around other people and and kind of coming away with the impression that. It's not something you need to do, you know, in the future, not someday. Why not start now was his, his experience. And, you know, he, like anyone, he's wrestling and struggling and trying to figure out his own way through it. But I think to your point, community of having other people who are just slightly crazy, uh, like yourself, uh, you know, around you is, is really powerful. And, and so anyway, you should, you know, it's sort of neat to hear his story. And, and he credits, you know, very vividly that moment of, of how that clarity he got, and also a way that he was able to take that experience and communicate to his, who has now become his his co founder Peter, um, who's helping him launch some really crazy virtual reality exhibits. Uh, you know, showcasing what this would look like in the future um, in New York City in the in the 
the summer and fall. So anyway, cr- cool to see. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Huge shout out to Franklin. The great part of Franklin's story is that he, honestly, it's a pretty controversial idea yeah. uh, that he had, you know, this importance of, of sleep, this importance of napping that others may, maybe would dismiss. But he, you know, did the research. He, you know, found something that he really aligned with and, and he, you know, put put his resources in place and, and went after it. And what an, what an awesome and, and wonderful story of a, another young person who's trailblazing, truly trailblazing. Um, so huge shout out to, to Franklin and, and Peter. I'd love to love to connect with and just uh, that, that warms my heart. Yeah. So thanks for sharing. Of course, of course. It's, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the power of community cannot be understated. And, and I think your story is, is an interesting one. I, I think that if I had to summarize a little bit of your adventure in the gap year, you started to really gather people and, and even, you know, the, the book accelerated that process of gathering people around you. And you've now in some ways turned it around to sort of gather more people around the people you've gathered, right? So, so you've yeah. always been building a community for the last five years. And I think it's neat to see it, it, uh, it becoming not only a, a part of, of your story, but kind of the, the central tenet of your story, which, which really is, uh, it's amazing and awesome to see. Well, thanks so much, Eric. And I realize not only is it, you know, uh, helps you achieve your goal is faster by having people around, but it's also a hell of a lot more fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, so that's uh, uh, I'm intrinsically motivated to, awesome. to continue doing what I'm doing. That's awesome. So I have a couple of quick rapid fire last things for you. So one thing that I love to do on these that was is to have you read uh, mean book reviews that someone has left for you. But <laughs> I have to say your book has a hundred, like over 30 reviews and a hundred percent of them are positive. So, uh, so that throws out the no, I'm, I'm no, no luck there. I, I, I'm honestly glad. I'm not sure if I would, would have loved to start my day with that, but what a great exercise! Honestly, <laughs> yeah. so you know, I, but the ego is, is still at still at full throttle. Still at full throttle. Yeah, it's good, right? I think that's I, the. Uh, I, I always find my young authors are always a little nervous about a feedback, and I tell them, listen, having negative feedback just means someone actually reads what you write. So yeah. it's 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 not the worst thing ever for sure, which which yeah. is good. One person I would put on your radar to to talk to is a, a guy who used to work for me named David Spinks. If you if you don't know David, David he's uh, the founder of uh, CMX, the community manager um, yeah. group. And what I think I think he in some ways has been trying to think about this concept of of the community manager, community builder for a while. And 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 it was early that process, even when I first met him uh, six or seven years ago. And I think has has realized just the importance of of community. And and as the the internet has been a convening force, in some ways it's also been a dividing force. And so he's now really trying to help people think about building community. So as you continue on this uh, quest to have people's backs and build community, um, he's a great guy. He'd be good, someone even good to, uh, not to plug the conference, but he'd be someone great to, to, uh, to in some ways involve because he's both an entrepreneur and, and bootstrapping a business, but really dedicated to this power of community. Yeah, Eric, no, I, I appreciate the shout out. We'll be sure to kind of check them out. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for, for the time. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm excited to hear about your adventures in Southeast Asia. My big plug is make sure you go to Bagan in Myanmar while on a, on a weekend adventure. Most amazing place uh, that I, one of the most amazing places I've ever been, uh, like wow. thousands of temples. And it's kind of still off the beaten path a little bit. If you get a chance to take a hot air balloon ride and see it, it's pretty pretty amazing. Um, so that's my plug. Wow. I, I don't know how anything could possibly beat what you, what you just said. So it, it'll be on my, uh, it'll be on my priority list. Eric, thanks so much for, for having me here. And just for always, I think looking to, to help the next generation and, and lift them up to, to where you're at now. It's incredibly inspiring and the work you're doing is beyond impactful. So thank you for, for having me. 
um, and looking forward to uh, to more work together. Absolutely, and and for everyone here, check out uh, you know the book that uh, that that Justin wrote on his gap year, "What Wakes You Up: Designing uh, Kickass Lives," and and also you know. Take a take a chance to to check out the next gen community and and attend in person uh, this this June. Um, the the website is ngsummit.com. It's an amazing community, and I think every every week there's or, or more than that there's some kind of a live webinar. There's some kind of discussions. One of the most active Facebook groups um, I've been a part of, and and I think you do a really great job curating that community. Um, but uh, again, thanks Justin for the time, and and hopefully uh, hopefully uh, we can chat at some point as you start to develop that next book i'm i'm now i'm thinking now that it's gonna now that we've talked about it you've said it out loud suddenly the the clock starts counting on down and you're gonna start working on this <laughs> look, look what you've done here eric well i'm gonna, I'm gonna hold you to it once i get the hands on what, what you're up to next as well so we'll be accountability partners on that i love it all right man good to talk and thanks again for the time thanks eric